0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See bball B ball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hi, this is Jim. And this is Max. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look
2: coolest in a headband,
1: and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news
1: story, and I need all of you. To stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Radio. This is episode number 15, and if you're hearing my voice, John Stolness, and you can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness, that must mean that you're getting another uh, Eagles Preview podcast here. And joining me as he does every week for the Eagles p- Preview is uh, the great Brandon Lee Gouton from uh, BleedingGreenNation.com. BLG, how you doing, buddy?
2: John, in the words of Benjamin Solak, every day is a great day to be alive. BGN Radio is up to 483 ratings on i iTunes, which is very cool. Let's, let's get wow. that up to 500 there. We're so close. And we're yeah, up to man. 191 customer reviews, so we're almost at 200 there. So let's get that up to 200. That's pretty awesome. Uh things are going well. The Eagles won last week, John. That that's pretty good. People they are did. feeling good now. I've a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of takes. Mm-hmm. So let's get to it.
1: Let's take it up here absolutely. And I'll be giving my pick at the end of the po- of the podcast, but I'm just going to I'm just going to alert everybody to it now. I will be picking against the Eagles this week because I am 0 and 6 in picking Eagles games this year. Missed every one, haven't really been close on any of them. So we're just going across the board BLG the rest of the year. I'm I'm picking against the Birds every single week. You know, I just think that's only fair to everybody else, you know. I just to kind of give everybody give this team a shot, you know.
2: They needed it, and it worked last week. I think they listened to this episode, last week's episode of BGN yeah, Radio, especially absolutely, on the short yeah. week. You know, I know it was a short yeah. week; they didn't have a lot of time between the Vikings' loss and the Giants' game. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they snuck that in there, and they're like, "Hey, we have to prove John wrong once again," and they did absolutely. to their credit
1: no I mean sometimes you get you got to have a villain to rally around as a team and I get that you know what I mean like I know in Hoosiers coach Dale was that guy for a little while you had to rally or somebody had to rally around against you know what I'm the Bill Belichick of the Eagles podcast <laughs> community. you know you know, the guy you're, you're gonna hate you're gonna hate me but you're gonna play for me also that's just I guess if that does, if that's the role I've been thrust into here then I guess that's what we'll do but uh, we are here to uh, preview uh, Eagles versus Panthers a big game another big game coming up on Sunday afternoon before we get into that. First of all, just a reminder to everyone to subscribe to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Don't forget to do that. You get the Kristen Solak show. Those guys kill it. Every single episode, BLG, man. They just churn out one fantastic show after another. Uh, and Then you hear Brandon and I. You hear Brandon on some other podcasts uh, on the Bleeding Green podcast feed as well, as well as uh, all of the um, the midweek uh, coaches' uh, news conferences and all that kind of stuff. So uh, make sure you're getting everything by, su- by subscribing to the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. And like Brandon said, uh, those ratings and those reviews on Apple Podcasts uh, really do help out the podcast. Five stars is all you can do. Five stars. That's it. I hate to be the bearer of the bad news, but five-star ratings are all that uh, are allowed now on Apple Podcasts. All right, let's talk about Eagles-Panthers here at BLG, and obviously, this is a rematch from last year. The location is different. We're changing scenes from Carolina to Philadelphia, uh, but last year, the Eagles went down to Carolina and beat the Panthers 28-23, to and what I really felt at the time, BLG, and I think the team said it too, was a statement game. I think they really felt like That was the game where they realized they were for real, that this was a really good team, that this team had a chance to do something special. They went into a tough place to play against a good quarterback, against a good defense. Uh, Carson Wentz didn't have a stellar night when you look at completion percentage, 16 of 30, but he threw for 222 yards, had three touchdowns. Zach Ertz had two of those touchdown catches. Uh, They did a good job on Cam Newton that night, 28 for 52, 239 yards, a touchdown, three interceptions. Uh, They did let him rush for 71 yards and a touchdown, Uh, but the defense played well against him, sacked him twice. Wentz was sacked three times. This was a game, BLG, where you know this was the Eagles going down to Carolina against a quality opponent, a potential playoff team and surviving in in a really a a, a battle against a team that was that was pretty good at the time
2: yeah everyone I remember going into that game was thinking like oh man the Panthers are pretty good here this could be a really tough game For the Eagles, going into that game, uh, the Eagles did not have Lane Johnson. He was out because it was a short week, and I think he had a concussion, so he wasn't going to play. Obviously, it was too quick of a turnaround. And uh, the Eagles were also potentially missing Fletcher Cox in that game because he had gotten hurt in the Giants game in week three, and it wasn't looking like he was going to be able to play. I don't think he really practiced in a way that would make you think he was going to play in that game. And all of a sudden it almost reminded me of, of last week's Thursday night game with kind of a little bit how like, oh, you're, you're you're waking up in the morning, you're hearing Ian Rappaport say, Lane Johnson probably not going to play tonight against the Giants. He's wrong once again, by the way, Ian Rappaport. <laughs> wrong once again. And then it kind of just reminded me of that. And then all of a sudden I was like actually Fletcher Cox is going to play against the Panthers on Thursday night football. And he had a huge game. I mean, he he yeah, is he a did. big reason why Cam Newton threw three interceptions in that game and did not mm-hmm. have a really good game as a, a a passer because he was just wrecking things up front. And I just think that whole game, as you said, John, was a big it was a turning point in the season. It was a it wasn't I mean, obviously you look back and you think about the the Giants game, Jake Elliott's field goal, but a lot of even the coaches, I think it was Corey Unlin and some of the players were talking about that Panthers game is when they started to know it was legit. Cause you know, it was, it was prime time, Thursday yeah. night football, the whole nation is watching. That's really when the Carson Wentz buzz started too. I know the, the stats didn't look so pretty there with only 16 to 30, but he made really big throws in that game. Like yeah. The touchdown throws were huge. He had some crucial, I think, third down conversions as well. Like that, that's when the Wentz MVP buzz really started to build there. That was where last year's team really took off. So I don't know if there's a parallel to that this year. I kind of felt like maybe, you know, last week's game could have been the turning point. But this will certainly be the game that they can build on that and improve that, okay... They didn't just go out and beat a terrible Giants team. I mean, they are terrible, but it was more than that. So that's what they have at stake this week.
1: Yeah, and the Panthers have been up and down this year. They lost to the Redskins uh last week, twenty three to seventeen, kind of a sloppy loss in in DC. And the the Panthers have not been a particularly impressive three and two team here in the early going. But uh just again, looking quickly back at, at last year, um Carson Wentz had to make so many plays because the penalties oh, last my year gosh. at B L G twenty they they were assessed 10 oh. penalties for 126 yards. The Panthers had one penalty called on them in that game for one yard. <laughs>
2: Ridiculous.
1: That doesn't seem possible, BLG. How that could have possibly happened?
2: It was the first time in NFL history there was ever a penalty disparity that big. Like people complain about the refs too much in general, and it's easy to do. And I, we get it. I think we're all guilty of that at times. But in that case, it literally had a case because this had never happened before in NFL history. It was so one sided and and not just one sided in a way where it shows up in the stat sheet. But when you were watching the game, like every time the Eagles made a big play, I think Rodney McLeod had an interception in that game wiped out by a penalty. I think there might have been another pick or it just felt like every time the Eagles were going to break that game open, because if you look at the stats and the yardage and everything in that game, the Eagles really outplayed the Panthers by a lot Mm -hmm. like that game was not as close as the the final score indicated. And to me, it sounds weird, and I think I've said this before, but this week almost feels like a revenge game to me. I mean, I know the Eagles mm-hmm. beat the Panthers, so that sounds silly, but I just think they beat them in a way last year that wasn't as satisfying as it should have been. I remember being so angry towards the <laughs> end of that game because I was like, if yeah. they don't lose this, if, if they don't win this game, like it's 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 a crime because they outplayed this team. Like they absolutely deserve to win, and to their you know a very it was a testament to the Eagles team last year that they were able to win in spite of the refs and like they beat the refs and they beat the Panthers yeah hopefully not yeah. have to do that this time around but last year was so bad and it wasn't just one bad game because like bad games happen I get it human error bad refs whatever but Pete Morelli specifically like you look back at the last four games with him and his crew calling Eagles games and the disparity between the Eagles penalties it's it's five to one it's five to one ratio like what is that like
1: <laughs> how do- how does that oh, not get looked at by that? the league? How does it not get looked at by the league? And, and is, how, it almost seems impossible that that would be that fluky. You know that it would that it would be an accident that something like that would happen, and I we can't sit here and say Peter Morelli is is fix you know fixing games so that the Eagles you know don't win or anything like that. I'm not we're not saying something like that necessarily, but you know you also mentioned it in a piece for BleedingGreenNation.com and I wanted to talk to you about this this week is that the the guy who's refereeing the game this week of uh, against Blakeman, the, okay yeah uh, that the Eagles have had very good success when Blakeman is a referee. Is that a th- is this a thing that certain referees call games differently for certain teams? Or is this just kind of a, a fun, fluky thing to talk about? Because it doesn't seem like if it was anything other than a fluke, it wouldn't be allowed.
2: For me, my crazy conspiracy theory is that the, the NFL is overcorrecting or they're, they're, <laughs> they're correcting for last year. It's like, nope, the Eagles got screwed last year. We kind of need to fix that and give them the rep that's favorable to them. Of course, that's probably not actually it. But you look at the numbers here and the Eagles are nine and one in these games officiated by Cleet blakeman uh the penalty disparity is 50 times for 377 yards compared to 71 for 588 so the difference of 15 penalties there and just a little bit over 200 yards and when you look at the Eagles home games, because that's something I think that's significant. I think, right. There's studies about how referees calling home games are not even just like, not even intentionally, but just subconsciously. Like you have that natural bias because you're there in that stadium. You have all these fans booing at you. If you make a bad call, like you're, you're not going to want to make bad calls all game long. Like it's just, it's naturally you're not going to want to do that. I mean, you have to do your job and hopefully the ref is going to make the call regardless of what the crowd's going to do. Like, that's what the ref should do, of course. But I'm just saying, naturally, it's going to happen where there's probably, at the very least, going to be a slight favor to the home team. And so you look at the Blakeman home games for the Eagles, and it's even a greater disparity in the Eagles' favor. It is 15 penalties for 127 yards against the Eagles, compared to 32 penalties and 287 yards. So double up, more than double in those cases for the opponent. So that's that's a big thing. And in those games, the Eagles have outscored their opponents by 129 to 48. So that's an average margin of victory wow. by more than 20 points. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if Cleet Blakeman is an Eagles fan. Apparently he's from Nebraska. I like to look where refs are from to kind of see if they kind of have some (laughs) local connection. I don't, you know, I don't think there's any natural Eagles connection there. I was on WIP this week and they had kind of pointed out something that I hadn't even seen was that Cleet Blakeman throws fewer penalty flags than compared to other refs like he's he's at the bottom end when it comes to being flag happy so maybe that's it maybe he's just not a flag happy ref and it kind of works out where the eagles can kind of just play their game and not have to worry about the penalties as much you know just let them play as if you will yeah uh but it's interesting and i don't think that's totally insignificant to me
1: no well it certainly isn't i mean there's obviously a track record here i just i i struggle i i struggle to think about how that information can be out there and the NFL doesn't pull Cleet aside and say, Hey, listen, man, <laughs> what, what's the deal with these numbers? You know I mean? Correct and, and it this weekend.
2: Like...
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe there's an overcorrection. Uh, but uh, God, I hope not. But um, you know, it's, it just that when I saw that this week, it just, it, it dawned on me how ridiculous mm-hmm. that is, but it's real. I mean, the numbers bear it out. We're talking about 10 games here. I mean, this is not a small sample size at that point. So uh it's it's definitely it's definitely an interesting subplot here uh to the game on Sunday afternoon. Let's take a look at the injury report here real quick BLG it BLG and it doesn't look like as if we're going to see Darren Sproles again this week. Uh he apparently is dealing with the hamstring from hell. Uh it will not ever heal. I don't it's just he's been out since week 1 with this hamstring and I know that hamstrings can be iffy BLG. I know that they can be a little bit, a little bit uh, tough to recover from. You can feel like you're, you're doing real well. And then you don't, you can have a setback and all of a sudden you're out for a couple of weeks here, but it, are we getting to a point where we really just can't count on Darren Sproul's at all here in 2000? It's been the case
2: so far. I mean, like you just said, and it's weird too. He didn't even get hurt in the game. Like apparently, or at least it didn't seem that way. Cause he, he I don't remember him leaving the Falcons game early. And I think he practiced in no. full on like the Wednesday after that game leading up to their week two game against the Bucks, And then on a Thursday, I think it was, he tweaked his hamstring in practice, and then he just hasn't been able to practice since. It's very bizarre, one of those rare kind of practice injuries that happen throughout the season. We saw that with Deshaun Watson last year. He tore his ACL. It was terrible. Not the same extent here, but sometimes those things kind of just pop up and I mean, you know, Darren Sproles is older. So this is probably something that you're going to naturally like the risk that you run in bringing this older player back. And it's a shame. Uh, I think we've said all along that not having him is still bad. I think there's a weird sentiment out there that the Eagles just don't need him at all. And I don't like that because uh, yeah. I mean, they're down to, you know, like their running back situation uh, isn't like the best ever. I mean, they, they're they really down to two guys they can trust. And Wendell Smallwood, who is your fourth
1: I mean, thank goodness for Wendell Which Smallwood. Which is a bizarre thing to
2: say, and even still, yeah, even still, like I don't fully trust him. You saw the fumble last week, and no. I don't think people would last week either if that fumble was recovered by the Giants, right? I think because right. he recovered right. it, like there's a lot more trust in him, and that shouldn't change it. You know, I mean, he fumbled; it was a bad right. fumble. He got lucky and he recovered it, but that doesn't like change his reliability ultimately. Like it's not like oh he made up for it. I mean he just got lucky on the bounce back to him. So point being that like I just don't think you can trust him enough over the full course of the rest of the season to just have him be the guy and like, oh, we don't need Darren Sproles. And even on the the return game, like, look, I love DeAndre Carter. I'm probably one of his biggest fans out there and he's been great on punt returns and I want to keep seeing really him has. do it. But like yeah. Darren Sproles is not a slouch as a punt returner. So if he comes back right. and he gets some of those opportunities and he's not doing anything with them, then yeah, then I'm going to be frustrated. But I mean, he's still a good player and it's frustrating that he isn't here. And hopefully... I mean maybe we see him after the bye at this point because he's not practicing. Howard Eskin, speaking of people who are wrong said that Sproles might return <laughs> this week and it just hasn't been the case. Uh so maybe next week, I don't know in London, I just I'm not going to count on that. So I'm going to guess maybe after the bye.
1: Yeah, it doesn't make sense that he would go all the way to London to to play, you know, to play a game if he hasn't been able to suit up. In any of these last few weeks, might as well just give him that week, give him the bye week, and then see if, see if the, see if the guy can't uh, can't recover from the hamstring after the bye week. I agree with you, and I I do find it interesting. I really thought the fact that the Eagles played last Thursday night and they had essentially what 10, 11 days between games that this would have been if they were going to trade for a running back that this would have been the the smartest time to go ahead and pull the trigger on a trade, even if it wasn't for Le'Veon Bell, you know, even if it was for somebody a little bit more minor, so that you had more time in between games to get somebody acclimated for this game against the Panthers. And so far the Eagles have continued to stay quiet on the trade front. I know it's still, you know, a little bit of time left before the trade deadline is officially here, but I th- I would have thought that this would have been a good time to do it. You, you could have those extra days in order to get somebody up to speed on the playbook and maybe you know get them on the field right away and it didn't happen this week blg is is you know are they do you think that they feel like they are okay at running back i know Corey clement is and uh, and wendell smallwood are telling howie roseman they don't need anybody but i think we both agree that they certainly could use another back
2: Yeah, I think it's a case of deadline spurs action. It's a cliche, but I think that's just what we see so much in the NFL where things come down to the wire. Uh, The trade deadline is at 4 p.m. in just under two weeks on October 30th. So that'll actually be during the Eagles bye week there. Um, You know, because they play the the Jaguars on the 28th and then they'll be off on the the Sunday, the 4th of November. So they'll have that whole bye week there, which is kind of nice because then you can, can, if you trade for that player, you you can, you have that week off to kind of incorporate them. So that could be kind of cool if they, I think if they do make a move, I think it's going to be closer to that. Um, you know, there's some interesting rumors out there. We're seeing Amari Cooper's name thrown around now. I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting possibility just because the Raiders are clearly a disaster. And I think maybe you Mm -hmm. can get him probably at a better price than you reasonably should be able to, as we saw with the Khalil Mack trade. So, uh, there's still some possibilities out there, but to me, you know, I've done some radio hits this week and and people are like, who are they going to trade for? And I don't know, because that's the thing. Like, you look at last year's trade deadline. No one had them trading for Jay Ajayi. No one even knew he was on the block. Like, right, that came right. out of nowhere. So uh, that's what I, if, if, if I'm going to say I expect something, it's that I expect to be surprised and for Howie to make a move and probably trade for a player that somehow we haven't already
1: thrown out there yet. It seems hard to believe because I think we've thrown just about everybody out there. <laughs> I've heard just about every every running back under the sun named as a, as a, a potential trade target here um, over the last uh, couple of weeks, but uh, you, you might be right. It might be somebody that we are not expecting at all. And, you know, hey, listen, if the Eagles can manage the next couple of weeks with what they have and and make a deal closer to the deadline, that ends up being for a better player or for better you know, lesser compensation than they would have given up if they'd done it now, then okay, great. But, you know, it just seems to me like maybe we have a little bit of a missed opportunity here um, during this during this long break in between. But Howie Roseman knows what he's doing, so we'll see uh, how that all works out, whether or not they add anybody. And and frankly, they're thin at other positions as well. Running back is not the only position they could look to add. Um, we saw that uh, Corey Coleman um, is... Uh, not Corey Coleman, geez. Corey Nelson um, did not practice this week. No, no, no. So not I, Corey
2: Nelson either. <laughs>
1: cory graham <laughs> too many damn corey's blg there's too earlier today this... and I'm they're all
2: reading... c-o-r-e-y too like, i know c-o-r-y yeah
1: <laughs> earlier today i looked at the i looked at the report and blg will tell you this and uh i i panicked because i thought just in my mind i i, I read cory cory graham as cory clement and and i was like I thought, oh crap! Now Corey Clement isn't practicing. We don't have Clement, or we don't, and we don't have Sproles. And uh, BLG talked me off the ledge, uh, which, <laughs> which, which was good. But anyway, um, the, the Eagles are short in a couple of different places with Razul Douglas not practicing Thursday. Although you, you mentioned that it looks like that's not necessarily injury related; that there's some uh, bereavement situation going yeah. on with him.
2: Yes, yeah, so he posted on Instagram that his grandmother passed away, which is obviously very sad. And yeah. hopefully thoughts go out to Rizul. Hope everything yeah. goes well. hes I guess I'm, I'm guessing he'll be back. You know, he's, he's obviously not hurt. And you really need him because the secondary is very thin right now. And I mean, he could potentially I don't think it's going to be this way. And I guess we can get into this here. But I mean, you know, last week. When Sidney Jones got hurt and Corey Graham isn't playing, and obviously Rodney McLeod is on IR, I mean, Razul Douglas was back there playing safety with Avante Maddox up in the slot and Jalen Mills on the outside. And now you have Jalen Mills getting added to the injury report today with uh, Limited with a hamstring issue. Hopefully that's not serious. We'll see on Friday what becomes of that. But, I mean, man, then if he's out, then basically you're starting, you have to start Razul on the outside at that point you're probably putting Dexter McDougal, the team just re-signed this week Ugh. at the slot, and then you have Maddox back at safety. So, I mean, really, just so maybe when we're talking trades and stuff, there, I mean, if there's a defensive back to be had out there. Again, maybe Raiders, Carl Joseph. I don't know, yeah. but it's it's you know it's not looking pretty well, they, in the secondary.
1: They're thin at defensive tackle too now yeah, with oh, Destiny Bio on on IR. I mean, so I mean, is is their roster a, a little bit? Um, off kilter right now? Do they have too many wide receivers and too many offensive linemen right now? Do they maybe need to shed a wide receiver? Do they maybe need to get rid of Chance Wormack in order to, <laughs> to, to get somebody out? I mean, not shedding Chance Wormack also saves you some cap money as well, but, you know, just to get some more help at these positions on the defensive side of the ball where they, they are one or two injuries away from being in, in a really, really bad place.
2: Yeah. Haloti Nada was uh, limited again today on Thursday so that I, I don't know if he plays. And at that point, if he can't play, you have Fletcher Cox and you have Trayvon Hester as your two defensive tackles. And obviously, Brandon Graham, Michael Bennett, Uh, these were even using jo- Josh Sweat a little bit on the inside. I saw uh, I think Fran Duffy had some clips of that in the in the Vikings game. But like You know, that's not ideal because it's not just about you can play Fletcher Cox more and that's great. But the problem with that is you're kind of reducing his effectiveness potentially. If not in a game, which it could be because you're just asking him to play so many snaps, he could get tired towards the end of the game. Then over the course of the season, we saw that last year, the Eagles really banked on having that heavy rotation and they tried to play him in a manageable amount of snaps where they didn't have to rely on him the whole game so that they could then do it in the playoffs and then he could be super effective down the stretch and the Eagles don't have the luxury of doing that right now because they're just so thin there now one maybe positive sign is we saw Timmy Jernigan at practice this week not practicing but he was on the sideline for the first time and we didn't see that before uh so I don't know if that's like I don't know if that's progress. It might not be. The original report was that he would be out at the latest till November. But I don't know. That timeline seems kind of murky. Uh, we'll see how that goes. It's worth noting he's now eligible to come off the non-football injury list because uh, the first six weeks of the season have passed. So now he can start practicing at some point in these next couple weeks or so, and then the Eagles have 21 days to either activate him or shut him down. We'll see what happens with that. Again, that's not the same as IR. I get a lot of questions about that. Just because you activate Timmy Jernigan doesn't mean that counts as one of the two guys you can activate off of IR. That's a totally different thing. So okay. uh, so that's kind of the, the good news if we're looking long-term down the stretch here. You know, we're, we're talking about these positions are thin right now. They have some guys that can come off IR. I think Mike Wallace is probably a strong candidate for that. But it's yep. still a couple of weeks away, so they're going to either have to make a trade or just kind of really just bunker down and see if they can get through this stretch. See if the bye week helps. It's going to be kind of like a little bit of a, a challenge here. I think they're just. I think their plan right now is to kind of just be like, "Hey, let's just try to get through it." Uh, and I think if it if it gets worse and if the losses start to come, then they might have to get a little more desperate.
1: All right, well, let's take a look at some of the matchups here. BLG uh, against uh, the Panthers here. The Eagles come in with a uh, 3-3 and record and uh, looking to gained some momentum out after their big 34 to 13 win over the Giants uh, on Thursday night football last week Carolina comes into the game number 11 in total DVOA ahead of the Eagles who are at step uh, number 17 offensively Carolina is 12th the Eagles are 19th defensively Philly is better than Carolina 11th to the Panthers 21st and um really when you're talking about playing the Carolina Panthers the the guy you focus in on is Cam Newton there's just really they have other players on that team um yeah, McCaffrey's a good player Kelvin Benjamin's a good player um Greg Olson, of course is a good player but you know you've got Cam Newton he's the guy that you have to shut down and I saw Ron Jaworski tweet this uh, tweet this stat out looking back at last week and talking about how much how important it is for the Eagles to get pressure on Newton when he had a clean snap last a clean uh pocket last week 34 snaps, he had a 75% completion rate, two touchdowns, and a 117 passer rating. When he was under duress, he had a 2.7 passer rating, (laughs) 28% completion rate, one interception and one sack. And listen, everybody's numbers are going to be down when they're under pressure as opposed to having a clean pocket, 99 Mm. times out of 100. Nevertheless, that's a stark difference. And so the key to the game seems to me... Getting the Eagles edge rushers against a couple of backup offensive tackles for Carolina to, to for those guys to have a lot of success getting into Cam Newton and then for the guys in the middle to prevent Cam Newton from being able to escape the pocket um, running lanes up through the middle. If you, they can do that and pressure Cam Newton, force him into mistakes, force him into sacks, the Eagles will have a stranglehold on this game. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, again, I go back to what the Eagles did last year with Fletcher Cox just being such a key cog and really just getting in Cam's face, You know, get, pushing the pocket and creating that interior pressure and making him clearly uncomfortable. Because obviously Cam's mobile, but when you get into his face like that and you're forcing him to kind of run out uh, and, and knocking him off his spot, then you kind of you at least a little bit, you know, disrupt the timing of the offense and kind of throw the, the past concepts and everything off kilter there. So, and, and that's what they did last year. And then it's not just about getting him on the ground and forcing those sacks and hitting him, but it's forcing him into those bad throws. And he, as we know, he had a couple of those last year because he throw he threw three interceptions. Now watching him in that Washington game, I mean that interception he threw was horrible. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was. He just like looked frustrated, and he was like, "You know what? I'm just throwing this thing up. Like we're off to a terrible start. (laughs) Whatever. I'm just gonna throw this thing. So maybe you can get him into a play like that where you're kind of just, you know, your pass rush might not even be getting bringing him down all the time, but it's just constantly in his face, and it kind of forces him into a bad decision there. Another big thing with this Panthers offense is that I don't think Christian McCaffrey is that good, John. I think he's he's such a volume player. Like the Panthers love to get him the ball, but when you look at his efficiency. It's just not there, especially as a receiver. I think he's down at like seven yards per reception this year. Like They keep feeding him, but he does. And his, his biggest run or his biggest play is like 18 yards. Like he's not even a big play threat. Like they, they just constantly he's a poor man, Saquon Barkley. Like, like they just constantly feed him <laughs> and he doesn't really do a ton. His rushing efficiency is up this year. I think it's at like four point nine. So I guess he's gotten a little bit better as a runner overall, but I does have a really good run defense. So you're not like feeling yeah. super threatened by this that I think their 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 willingness to force feed him the ball so much kind of limits their offense a little bit because that's when they're not taking all these vertical shots because they're just mm-hmm. constantly like we got to get the ball to McCaffrey we got to get the bottom to McCaffrey and I just don't think it really pays off for them like he, I think he's a guy who can handle that workload physically but I just don't think it's super rewarding for them so and certainly wasn't last year. I mean, Nigel Bradham owned Christian McCaffrey. Like, he had a billion <laughs> tackles in that game. He would not yeah, let him yeah. do anything. McCaffrey averaged, like, his, again, his efficiency was so bad in that game. He had a bunch of receptions and a bunch of carries, but he wasn't doing any, anything with them. So if the Panthers come in here with the same game plan for this game, if they're feeding McCaffrey over and over, hey, I am fine with that. I will take it.
1: Yeah, because they they don't they don't go down the field very much at all. They they don't make the big plays. And we were saying the same thing about the Titans. Remember in our, our Titans preview, and then the Titans ended up chucking the ball downfield a lot. We saw Marcus Mariota try and stretch the ball down the field a lot and making big plays. And the Eagles' defense, the secondary, getting torched in that game. Um, you know, it's just it's it's one of those things where you, on paper and and looking at what they've done so far. They haven't done it very much this year. The Panthers haven't been able to to get the ball downfield very much, and the Eagles have been susceptible to the big play. But they do have Kelvin Benjamin, uh, who who can who can who not can Kelvin make big plays. John uh, Kevin, Devin Punches. similar, similar Funches, player. Right. So I get where you're coming Benjamins from. Benjamin's with Buffalo. Was with Carolina. Yes. Yeah, I'm getting my getting my names mixed up in my head. Sorry. Same yeah, Devin same player too. Like these
2: big slow right. guys who aren't fast right. and create separation. They're just big.
1: Yep. No, absolutely. And so that's ab- obviously a guy the Eagles are going to have to keep an eye on, but uh, again, if they can keep if they can keep everything in front of them, that that really plays to their strengths. Now, the Panthers do a lot of confusing things on offense because they have a mobile quarterback because they have really their best rusher is Cam Newton, and so they, they can use him in a lot of different ways, a lot of triple option stuff, and what's going to be the key for this team is to also, like they were last year, last year the Eagles were a very disciplined defense, a very strong tackling defense, and they're going to need to continue to do that this week. If if, if Carolina is not going to stretch the ball down the field, then they're going to try and create confusion at the line of scrimmage and try and trick the Eagles as far as where the ball is going, who's got it, so that's going to be a key as well, is, is for the eagles to try and maintain discipline and when they find out where the ball is going and if it's in cam newton's hands to wrap him up
2: yeah it's gonna be tough i mean i don't think you really just shut down cam as a runner he's gonna get his he's he's so good like what can you do he's so big and physical that even if you have things lined up sometimes he's just gonna he's gonna get yardage anyway because he can stiff arm you or he can just kind of run through you so i think the the way to kind of Uh, approach that is to kind of just hope to contain him you know don't let him run 70 yards down the field on you kind of keep him if he's getting first downs or he's getting these these short gains i mean it's just they're gonna happen and you're gonna have to try to contain it and try to really key in in on that on the red zone so he's not running in for touchdowns i think you know you can talk about a spy and everything and i'm sure they'll do that sometimes i think one of the keys to to defending this is hitting him like when he's in the pocket You basically can't hit him, as we've seen with these Michael Bennett penalties in the past couple of weeks here. There's not much you can do to hit the quarterback in the pocket. But once he takes off and he's beyond, you know, he's running around and for certainly when he's beyond the line of scrimmage there, I mean, you can hit him. So hit him hard. Like, if, you know, if he's not sliding and he's in the open field there, hit him and make him regret taking off or, or, or wear him down. And He's a big body. It's not going to be easy, but like, put a toll on him. So uh, I think that's something the Eagles really did well last year. I think about the 49ers game when they were just Killing C.J. Beathard, and obviously (laughs) C.J. Beathard, Cam Newton, not similar quarterbacks in terms of body (laughs) frame and many other things, but the the principle there just like hit him if he's gonna take off and he's gonna run, hit him hard and kind of make him think twice about it, or make him regret it, or make him tired, like wear him out so he can't run as much. So uh, that's
1: they they got to they got to do a better job against him than they did against Mariota, be
2: for sure. Um, I think, and it comes down to the key situations too, like that's where Mariota was really killing. The Eagles, there's, yeah. you know, it's they would need, field. yeah, they would need this stop. and But that's at, at the same time, like that's when they're at their toughest because you can, like you're playing your coverage great. Like you have everyone covered, you know, you're, and then you just, it's harder to account for the quarterback. So, or you can yeah. make a play like Mariota did. So it's tough. It's not going to be easy. I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, you just come in and you, you can just easily shut it down. Like, I think Cam is going to get his, you're not going to stop him. It's just kind of about containing
1: him. Let's talk about Carson Wentz because last week he had his best game of the season uh, since coming back from his from his knee injury, and it's really. It's a, 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 it's a relief that he has come back playing so well, but he he was just absolutely unbelievable. Some of the throws that he's made this year have truly been terrific. I think his uh, pocket awareness was improved more last week, and I think we knew that that would be something that would get better as the season roll, rolled along, as he got more game action. He didn't have any preseason games. He missed the first couple games of the season as well, and we saw Carson Wentz be the guy he was last year, and, You know, nobody's talking about Carson Wentz right now this year in football. It's all Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff and a couple of these other guys. And Carson Wentz is just kind of laying in the weeds, just kind of in the background saying, you know, trying to get his team back on track. A lot of it is because the Eagles offense has struggled to put some points on the board. But, you know, Wentz is playing as well as he did last year. And, you know... I think there's a a lot of people out there that because of what Mahomes is doing and make no doubt about it Mahomes has been phenomenal this year for the Chiefs and he looks like he looks like he's the leading contender for MVP right now and Jared Goff has a phenomenal team around him in Los Angeles with the Rams but you know I, when you're talking about all three of these guys, I still want Wentz as my guy, BLG, especially over Mahomes, who has, again, has all the tools, has looked phenomenal, but but Wentz has the track record right now. I mean, Mahomes is, I think, going to last, but we've seen guys have streaks like this and then not be able to to, to follow it up, that it peters out. Again, I don't think that's going to be the case here with Mahomes and, you know, with Goff. I think you look at Wentz, you look at Goff. Wentz is more of a playmaker than Goff yeah. is. so. You know, I I think that's the difference between these three guys and. We, a lot of the, a lot of the league and fans get so caught up in the flavor of the month or the flavor of the moment, and right now that is Mahomes, and Wentz is just content, I think, to just sit back there and say, "Yeah, guys, go ahead and forget about me," you know, and we'll we'll run to the division title and we'll see who does what in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, we also come to recency bias. That's what it comes down to ultimately. Yeah. I remember Evan yeah. Silva had a poll a couple of weeks ago that he put out there after the Bills upset the Vikings. That was like, who would you rather have, Josh Allen? Or Mitchell Trubisky. And of course, it was like 80%, you know, uh, Josh Allen and 20% Trubisky. Mm -hmm. Because Trubisky also had a bad game that week, I believe. And the next week, it was the, you know, the Bears blow out the Buccaneers. And the Bills lose. And Josh Allen looks terrible. And Evan Silver runs the same poll, and it's like the reverse results. So it's just like, you know, it's a, we always joke, it's like a week to week league, a very football thing to say, but it is in terms of at least our perception a lot of the time, and our meaning just the general observer or fan. And, you know, I was looking at this fan poll survey, survey that SB Nation put out, and they did the which young quarterback would you take for the next 10 years. And Mahomes is at 55, he's the leader. And, I don't think I have anything bad to say about Patrick Mahomes. Like, I love watching that guy. He's great. Uh, his voice is weird, but that's fine. Um, (laughs) he can run around. He, uh, his arm is incredible. I think that like, I think things like that can get a little bit overplayed sometimes or overstated, but it's not with him. Like he just makes some incredible throws. Um, but also, you know, like Carson Wentz is really good. As you said, (laughs) he's having a great year. And, and here's the other thing. Okay. Give me an offense with Carson Wentz and Tyreek Hill and Kareem Tyreek Hunt. Hill, yep. Like, give me that because <laughs> the Eagles, like, I mean, Carson Wentz yeah. isn't dealing with anything close to that right now. With all due no. respect to guys like Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz and Nelson Nagler, who had a better game last week, I mean, and Corey Clement, like, it's not the same. Like, Tyreek Hill is the best vertical threat in the game like he is so fast you can't even defend him and kareem hunt it's one of the better running backs in the league and travis kelsey is an amazingly athletic tight end so i mean i'm not trying to say mahomes is a product of a system like dak i think it's more than that i think he is clearly more talented than dak and by the way love how dak is not included in this poll at all he's not even the conversation anymore and he shouldn't be (laughs) right i just love that uh very good um i think with golf it's kind of like I don't want to say he's a system quarterback, but at the same time, like I, I'm trying to think, like what's your confidence level that he's still going to be this great or even really great if he's being coached by, say, you know, like an average coach? Uh, who do you want to throw out there? Um,
1: North Turner, yeah, like, Let's North say North Turney Turner, gets yet another or job. like
2: yeah. or whoever, like just general yeah. replacement level coach. Like, what is your confidence that he's still going to be really good? because to me it's not high cuz i don't i don't like what is jared Goff doing uh by himself that i'm supposed to be so impressed by and so fearful of i know he's made some nice throws yeah.
1: he's got great he's accuracy not bad. i'm not saying he's, he's a bad a good quarterback yeah, a
2: good player. i'm just i don't yeah. think he's like don't. I, I don't think he's elite and i think with carson you have confidence that he can excel outside of just this scheme because he makes so many plays on his own it's just you saw it last week against the giants i mean how many quarterbacks can just have the awareness to escape from the pocket at just the right time and then roll out all the way to the right and then make a throw across their body over a linebacker, perfectly place it in the back of the end zone to Alshon Jeffrey. Like, only so many quarterbacks can do that, man. And yeah, yeah. I, so, when it comes to Mahomes, I think there's another relevant quarterback on this list when we're talking about him and that's Deshaun Watson who obviously had a really good year last year but I think he got crowned way too early. I think it was oh, too yeah. small of a sample size. And maybe Watson bounces back. His offensive line is terrible. But I also don't think he necessarily helps his offensive line by holding on to the ball. So that kind of works both ways. So we'll see with Mahomes. I think I, I, I do want to see more before I'm all in. And even still, I think it's like neck and neck. with Even if this is Mahomes, who he is, like I, you can take him over Carson. That's fine. But I don't think the gap is that big at all. I think it's kind of like, no. you know, you're, it's 1A
1: and 1B. Yeah, both guys are big playmakers. Both guys, and with Mahomes, you're right; he's got more talent around him in Kansas City than than uh, than than Wentz has. And you know, maybe if Mike Wallace gets back, you have the combination of the receivers um, improve, and you know, Jordan Matthews is your fourth receiver at that point. You know, maybe you've really got now you've got a system in place with Peterson and Wentz and all these different and the four receivers and Zach Ertz, who we're going to talk about in just a second. You know, maybe that's enough, but it's certainly not a field stretching. Um, talent like the like they like they have in in Tyree Kill, who is just unbelievable uh, at at getting the ball at getting downfield and and making huge plays. But let's talk about Ertz for just a minute because through six weeks he leads all tight ends in targets, receiving yards. He's got 480 receiving yards already through six weeks. Second in receptions in the NFL behind Adam Thielen with 48. He's on pace for 128 catches, which would shatter Jason Witten's record of 110. I know there's a lot of talk about, a little bit of talk anyway, about whether or not Ertz has become the best pass catching tight end in football. I don't think we're quite there yet, but I guess the question I have for you is: Is he the best tight end in Eagles history right now? For me, the the answer has always been Keith Jackson, given how given his level of pass catching production in the in the late '80s and early '90s under under the Buddy Ryan teams, but. I think I think Ertz has passed has has passed Keith Jackson at this point, and I, I'm not so sure who I would put above him as far as Eagles tight ends. Yeah,
2: I think he is definitely going to go down that way, and he's I believe he's only 27, 28 still. So
1: yeah, he's a young guy. Like
2: he, him and Wentz can thrive here for for years to come still, and he's going to post some huge numbers in this franchise history. Uh, and even I don't know about Hall of Fame, but I mean he's it's not out of the question for sure. No, not at so, all. So uh, I, I think it's he's a really interesting player just because he's not flashy and by any means like he's not he's not going to moss someone
1: you know <laughs> like like well he doesn't make big plays either at blg the, you know what I mean he, right he gets the he catches the ball and doesn't get you much after that but he always but he makes gets open like that's yeah he gets open he's, yeah
2: what he is and what he does is so. Uh, like he's not a big play guy and obviously you, you, you want big play guys, but he's such a reliable chain mover. Like how many times I think, and it's so easy to take for granted too, because they're not flashy plays. They're boring plays, but it's just Zach Ertz getting over, getting open over the middle and Carson throws to him first down. Like it just, Again and and happens multiple times. Drive after drive, like he keeps moving the chains, and there's value in. He's that. He's an
1: incredible route run. He's incredible, but, route very,
2: run. and we saw that in the touchdown last week against the Giants. Like yeah. he he yeah. just, and it, it's funny too watching him because he's not like he's not fast. You know he's he's not overly fast. I mean like there's nothing like incredibly flashy about route running, but it's just like, yeah. it's nuanced and it's like technique and refining it and simple, but he just makes it look effortless and it's just really good. And I think it's very easy to take it for granted. And I don't even feel like I'm the biggest sackers guy because of that in part, because it's not even that fun. He, again, he's not as flashy like that substance. The substance is there. Yeah. The flash isn't there, but uh, definitely, definitely a very, very reliable and important and key player. For this team, and I and I do think he is going to go back down, and, and it's not just about the stats and everything. You have to consider, and maybe underrated in this way. When we think about the Super Bowl, we all think about obviously the Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. We all think about Brandon Graham's big play, but I mean. Zach Ertz did catch the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl, like that yeah. <laughs> huge play. So. Well,
1: even even more important than that catch, well, not more important, but as important was that fourth-down catch. Uh, on Absolutely.
2: That drive. So I think he is yeah. absolutely going to be, uh, you know, remembered as the best tight end in Eagles history for sure.
1: It's certainly trending in that direction. Uh, last thing here, um, and let's look at the the offensive line going up against uh, a, a pretty good uh, Carolina uh, defensive line. Some big boys on that defensive line. Julius Peppers is there, Dontari Poe, Mario Addison, Wes Horton. And uh, last, last year, one of the things that really helped out the Eagles in, in the game against Carolina was uh, Luke Keekley going out um, early in the game with a concussion. And um, the Eagles hadn't scored a touchdown until after he had left the game. Obviously, Keekley is a dynamic linebacker. He can do so many things uh to make life miserable for opposing offenses. And right now, I think the offensive line, how do you think the offensive line did last week? How did how did Lane look? I know he was playing through pain. Uh Lane and, and Jason Peters, how how did they look last week compared to previous weeks? BLJ? Good
2: enough overall. You know, I think Carson only got sacked uh what exactly once and hit something like six. It wasn't, it was way down. The pressure was way down from past weeks. And now the giants have the, either the worst or one of the worst pass rushes in the NFL. So that certainly helped.
1: And they quit midway and through quit, the game too. In fairness, <laughs> yeah. they also got yeah.
2: Olivier Vernon back and he's their best pass rusher. So that's, you know, he you was have to account for yeah. that too. And he obviously yeah. was, uh, he had that sack on big V. So, and he was getting mm-hmm. pressure on JP. So, so that was a challenge a little bit for them. Uh, I think it's good overall. I, I feel it's it's not I, in total kind of shambles or at least how it kind of felt that way a little bit earlier on here. Um, tough to gauge again with the Giants defense just being so bad. But moving forward, you know, I'm not like freaking out about it as much as I was before. I, I think they they have the potential here to get right a little bit and looking at this. Carolina front. I mean, you know, they have some big guys, as you mentioned up front, but that's not translating to good run defense. Like their their run defense is usually pretty good in years past. That's something you can count on with Carolina, especially having that front and then Keekley and Davis as well, those linebackers. But it's, it hasn't been the case this year. I mean, Washington had they averaged uh, four point seven yards per carry last week. Adrian Peterson pretty much looked unstoppable against them. He had yeah. five point seven yards per carry. So, I think there's
1: they ran a lot they ran a lot of trap plays against yes, uh, against as, the Carolina. As Michael Kiss pointed
2: football. out and said that's a yeah. a big key to the game this week. Uh so I think the Eagles, you know, they're not going to they should not get away from Carson Wentz entirely here by any means or ever, but you know, this could be a game <laughs> where running the ball kind of uh early maybe often, see how it goes, kind of stick with that, get Corey Clement involved here. Hopefully, he's not on the pitch count that he kind of was last week. I know Mike gross said he wasn't, but you look at the numbers and it kind of suggests that he probably was. So uh, (laughs) hopefully we get those guys involved this week. I think they will. Um, Yeah. Oh, wait, one more thing. Julius peppers, 38 years old. Still playing crazy to me.
1: Yeah, man. How about that guy?
2: Just very crazy. Yeah. no,
1: Unbelievable, and back with Carolina, where he start, where yeah. he started his career, and still, still producing. I know. I remember when Chicago signed him as a free agent. Everybody oh. scoffed at that deal because they figured this guy's getting old. He's going to get run down. And you know, darn if he didn't play through that whole contract really well. And now still playing at a high level. What an unbelievable career he's having. He's, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer, right? Uh, Isn't he, I think he first so. Ballot? I
2: think so. Yeah. I mean, he keeps adding so. to his yeah. stats. <laughs> you know, right. he keeps playing, right. so right. he's exactly. going to have to be
1: exactly. All right, well, look, we're going to give our picks for this uh, Eagles-Panthers game coming up here in just a few minutes. You already know what I'm going to do, so uh, really you'll be just listening for BLG's pick on this one. Uh, but let's go over the uh, the NFC East games, and because uh, two of the NFC East opponents play each other this week, we'll give you we'll give you a non-NFC East game in here as well. And, uh, Brandon, we'll start off in the District of Columbia as the Dallas Cowboys take on Washington. Uh, Dallas on the road, and Washington favored by one point mm-hmm. at home um this line kind of surprised me a little bit I know Dallas had a good week last week putting up 40 points uh, but Washington also uh, had a good week at home beating a, a very good pan or not a very good a a pretty decent Panthers team I'm surprised the line isn't at least three which is normally what a home team gets for for getting for having home field advantage here um I'm kind of leaning towards Washington in this one. I I think I think Washington wins this football game just because again I I don't think one good week of a Dallas offense is enough to get excited about, and I think Washington's I think Washington's a better team and playing at home. What do you think?
2: I don't know who we're supposed to be rooting for in this game. It has.
1: you know I just want to interrupt you for a second I had this exact conversation with my my son who has been born and raised here in Washington DC and you know just for full disclosure he's a Redskins fan my seven-year-old is a Redskins fan I'm working on it (laughs) my five-year-old is a diehard Eagles fan so I've got I've got one of my guys is an Eagles fan the other one is a is a Redskins fan and he does it just to tweet okay it's one of those deals yeah yeah and you have to respect that right I mean come on to a degree but he was asking you know who are you rooting for in this game daddy and uh, I, was like, I i i can't root for anybody in this game and he looked like he he looked he was so he was crazy <laughs> it was it's like you have to root for the cowboys are evil dad well, yes. so i was like that's a fair point okay so i guess if i have to root for somebody it'll be Washington.
2: it's just it's tough because like so washington's three and two they haven't played a division game yet so if they win this, they will be four and two, and they will be one and zero in the division. They will be ahead of the Eagles by half a game, you know, by nature of having played one fewer game. Assuming the Eagles win, I'm assume, you know, I'm saying the Eagles win there. They're four and three, and then Washington would be four and two. Uh, Dallas would be three and four, and then the Giants are probably going to lose to the Falcons, probably one and six. So that's not terrible, but. Uh, I, is that preferable to Dallas winning cuz Dallas would only be 4 and 3 at that point you know they they don't uh you know they're not they don't only have two losses at that point like Washington would but the Cowboys would be 2 and 0 in the division and I don't like that yeah. so
1: yeah.
2: i think i feel like rooting against Washington is kind of like what should happen again just because they have fewer losses and it kinda like is that the simple part of it? Like they have fewer losses. They need another loss. But again, I just I don't want Dallas to get that momentum. I just I don't want that to happen. Yeah. So and I and but ultimately I think Washington is the better team. So I keep going back and forth on this. <laughs> um yeah, I'm gonna I take Dallas because I think I wanna jinx them. You know, it's it's my jinx thing with Dallas and if they lose, I'll be happy with it. I think that's what it'll come down to. Who's what's gonna make me which loss would make me the happiest? And it's easily the Cowboys loss, right? Even if the Washington yeah, yeah. loss would ultimately be better for the Eagles, the Cowboys losing will never make me upset. So I think that's what I'm gonna have no. to say.
1: Okay. All right. Well I think that's I think that's fair. And that's kind of where I come down on it too. Watching watching the Cowboys celebrate is just not something I'd much rather watch Washington celebrate because at least then my kids happen. So, you know, at the very least, at least I kind of fall back on that one. Um, All right, let's look at that Giants at Atlanta game. Uh, Atlanta favored by four and a half. This is a Monday night football game. Giants going down to Atlanta to play the Falcons. Falcons have had a tough year, BLG. Um, They've lost Devontae Freeman for the season. He's been placed on the IR, but they have a couple of good running backs in the backfield as well. Um, The Falcons just have not been able to get on track after that uh, season opening loss to the Eagles. How do you see this one playing out? I hope
2: the Giants win because every every win from here on out just really ruins their draft positioning and a chance at getting oh, yeah. a quarterback. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Cause I mean, they're done. Like they're not coming back obviously from where they are. So, right. so I hope they win, but I just, I don't think they will. They're just, they're a bad team. And I think the Falcons are better than their record indicates. I know they're banged up, but I just think, you know, they, they've had a tough schedule. They they won last week. They're going to be at home here. It's Monday night football. I don't think they're going to fall into a trap on a national game like that. I think they win. And 4.5, I mean, look, man, the Giants are like, Eli's washed. They're not scoring. The defense is bad. I I feel comfortable taking that.
1: Yeah, you just, you wonder if this is a game where, after so much criticism thrown at Odell Beckham Jr. last week, it can go one of two ways. Either Odell, doesn't show up and doesn't show up for the rest of the season and just kind of shuts it down, or if he decides this is going to be an FU game and he decides to just take matters into his own hands. But you're right, Eli's got to get him the ball, and it doesn't seem as though Eli... Knows how to get him, or has the physical capabilities of getting him the ball. So I, I agree with you. I, I think the Falcons win this one in a runaway. I think it's a pretty easy win for Atlanta at home on Monday Night Football. I think they easily clear that four and a half. And let's look at uh, the other game that we want to look at is the uh, New England at Chicago game. This is a Sunday afternoon game. This is a fascinating matchup, and we know Chicago has a a much better defense now with Khalil Mack there. Uh, we heard uh, Bill Belichick was asked about Khalil Mack and com- asking him to whether or not he can to Lawrence Taylor and (laughs) Belichick shut that down in a hurry, basically saying, you don't compare anyone to Lawrence Taylor, uh, which is I think totally fair. New England favored by two and a half in the windy city, BLG, you like? Do you like the Patriots uh, to to win this ball game, or does Chicago have a fighting chance? I mean, the Patriots are coming off a wild Sunday night game against the Chiefs, a a, a conference opponent, and you wonder if maybe this might be a letdown game for New England.
2: Yeah, and you wonder, you know, the Bears obviously losing an overtime to freaking Brock Osweiler last yeah. week, probably a little motivated to get back on track at home this week, but man it comes down to it's Tom Brady versus Mitchell Trubisky here and i can't take trubisky i just i'm not i'm not sold on him i i like chicago's defense a lot even though struggles last week i still believe in them overall uh, and and i don't dislike the bears but it's just it's brady over trubisky and to me that is just i i can't i can't look past that that is what it comes down to for me
1: yeah, I, I wanna call this a trap game. I really do. I wanna I know you don't believe in trap games, but I I wanna call this a game. If if you were if this were any normal team with any normal quarterback, I think I would I would probably pick Chicago here to, to pull off the upset because of the circumstances I mentioned just a minute ago. But I just don't think Tom Brady falls into those different kinds of things. If it is a trap game, it just means it's closer than normal. You I would know, say I doesn't...
2: believe in trap games. I just think they get – I think it's overused. Uh, overused, la- okay. Last year, it was like every game was an Eagles trap game. It was like, sure, every, sure, sure, sure. It's, it's like you already said <laughs> that for like the past five weeks. Every game can't be a trap game. Trap games true happen, <laughs> but not all the time. Anyway. No,
1: true – True enough. Absolutely right. But I agree with you. I, I think the Patriots win that game as well. Um, the quarterback matchup, as you mentioned, it's just you, how can how can you pick Trubisky over Tom Brady, even if Brady is coming off a, a big win? <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. All right, BLG. Well, listen, it's that time. Uh, Eagles versus Panthers picks here. Um, I'll give you mine to start off because, as you yeah. know, I, as I mentioned at the top, I'm 0-6. So I don't think anybody has to, has to worry about me picking the Eagles this week. You know I'm picking against the Eagles. I'm not going to try and fly in the face of this thing here. Clearly, fate is working. There's some kind of mystical force behind <laughs> my picks. I don't know what it is it's uh, uh the 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 football gods are are kind of carrying carrying this whole thing along, and I don't know where it's gonna lead us b l g but i i'm gonna i'm gonna go with it now so if 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 I'm not gonna pick any eagles game correctly if that if that's the way destiny has faded me this season, then i'm gonna ride with it and i'm gonna go panthers thirty five eagles twenty
2: how do they lose like what what goes wrong like so let's what say let's say yeah. you were making this pick for serious reasons like what goes wrong and why do they lose?
1: what goes wrong, one of the, the ways they can lose this game is if if Luke Keekley is able to um get is able to get to Carson Wentz and they're able to, to shut down the running game if um the offensive line has has struggles um if the if the defensive secondary allows big plays to a team that hasn't allowed big plays here uh, and we all know if Cam Newton runs around like crazy and and can make plays like Marcus Mariota did basically this would have to be kind of like a Titans type game you know, where Marcus Murray where, or Cam Newton is running around, making plays, trying to, you know, figuring things out on the fly, getting first downs on third and eights. Um, and, uh, and and the offense has struggles without, um, you know, without Jay Ajayi, without uh, Darren Sproles back there. Um, there's just, you know, the, the offense has no rhythm. Carson Wentz gets knocked around a little bit. You know, one of those type games where, again, it's it's. it's those are the types of games I, I see. Like a if if the Panthers are going to beat the Eagles, it's going to be the a very similar formula to the way Tennessee beat the Eagles earlier in the season.
2: I think that's fair, but I also think it's wrong because I am taking the Eagles to win. It
1: probably is wrong, BLG. I mean, I've been wrong all year, so it probably is.
2: Um, there are a lot of reasons going into this one. I think the rest factor helps. You know, the Eagles played on Thursday night football; and they get a little extra rest there. Um, they also have the ref factor, which we talked about. the The Cleat Blakeman mm-hmm. factor. Mm-hmm. You have the fact that the Eagles are still very good at home. I know they lost the to the Vikings, although only by two points. So you know they're still a very good home team. Seventeen and three in their last twenty meaningful home games. Still feel good about that. Uh, I just think even going back to last year, we saw that this Eagles team overall, I think, is a good matchup for the Panthers. Like the Panthers, I don't think are the Eagles kryptonite here. I think if anything, it might be a little bit the other way around. And I think I truly believe that if the calls weren't so lopsided and they didn't happen at like the worst moments always possible, that game would have been a blowout last year. And I don't know if it's Mm -hmm. going to be the same case this year, but I think there's something to that. One of the key things I will be watching in this game is how the Panthers defend the Eagles tight ends because against Washington, not so great. Uh, eight receptions for uh, f- 84 yards there. And one of the most plays, they completely just lost Vernon Davis Davis in coverage. Jordan Reed was getting open uh, in the middle of the field as well there. So I think, you know, Ertz, Goddard could be productive in this game. Uh would love to see that. And I just think overall, the Eagles have a lot of things going in their favor. I think last week's game. Wasn't a full indication that the team is back just because, you know, the Giants are so bad and you can't just say, okay, the Eagles are back 100 percent after beating up on that bad team. But the thing we did see is that they were cutting down on those mistakes. You know, they were they were not having the self-inflicted wounds, as Doug Peterson likes to call them. So I do think there that is something you can build on, and if the discipline is there and the attitude is there for that turnaround, I feel good about that. One thing I will caution is that the Panthers are kind of a little bit, maybe not uncharacteristically good, but they're 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 twenty eight 17 and one against the spread, and twenty two and twenty four straight up in games right after a loss since the Cam Newton era began in two thousand eleven. I think that's kind of fitting for this Panthers team because you look at their record. Uh, over the past couple of years, and they're always they're back and forth. They're like ten and oh, yeah. six, and then they're six and ten, and then they're ten and six again. Like they 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 bounce back and forth. And I think not only season to season, but week to week. I also mentioned they are twenty one and fourteen against the spread as road underdogs as they are this week since two thousand eleven. So, which is the fourth best rate. So the point there being that they've handled adversity well in the past. They found a way to bounce back. But after watching them against Washington last week. I just wasn't very impressed. And yeah. you you go back to even the Giants game where they needed a 63-yard field goal to win against a terrible right. Giants team, and they are playing at home. So I just I don't think the Panthers are really all that great. Uh, even our our Panthers fans' friends, or cat scratch reader, are thinking the Eagles win the game this week. So even their confidence is super high in this one. With Carson Wentz looking as sharp as he is, and just again, a lot of things work in the Eagles in their favor. I'm taking them to win. I will say 30 to 17.
1: I think that's a fair score. And, and we also met the Panthers playing their second straight road game against an NFC East team, which is also not uh, a terribly easy thing to do, but, uh, you know, I, this this is a this is an important game for the Eagles. You want to see them build some momentum here. If this is going to be a team that's going to go ten and six or eleven and five, you need to start stringing some wins together. And this is an opponent at home that the Eagles should beat. So you got a one o'clock kickoff, Eagles against the Carolina Panthers, a rematch of last year. This time in Philadelphia, and hopefully uh, we don't get another referee screw job this year that we that we saw last year down in Carolina. And that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio for Brandon Lee Galton. I'm John Stoll. Thanks. We'll talk to you all once again on BGN Radio, brought to you by BleedingGreenNation.com and SB Nation. That doesn't make sense.